I wish to continue with the thought from the last two. Don't ask you to turn there. It's found in Psalm 139, verse 17. I've been speaking to you on what David said to the Lord, How precious are thy thoughts. They're very weighty, they're very prized. And yet you live in a land where the vast majority could care less about what God thinks. We just assume we put our own interpretation too often on Scripture. Sometimes we take verses that do not even apply to us and we make them ours. To our sad, sad state. But then there are precious thoughts for the children. Some that you can you can Lay hold of, that is, by the Spirit of God, you can lay hold of and say, This belongs to me. This is what God thinks. And it's very precious. I've got four or five passages that I would like for you to read with me this morning. Don't turn to this one, but it is where we will be drawing our our continued thoughts from. That's Jeremiah 29, but don't turn to that now. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Kings 22. It's not important what you think about God, unless what you think is accurate, is truth. Truth is not what you say it is or make it to be. Truth stands on its own footing, on its own ground. So you got to find out in your heart. I don't know if you have time. I don't know if you will make time. in your prayer life to get quiet enough still enough within to get to the place where you become distinctly aware of a presence the presence of the supreme being 
you hear. Not all of the words. Not in your head. But in your heart of hearts, God has something to say to you. I don't know if that's important to you. It is very important to me. And when I go to shut the door, and try to call upon this God, I hope by grace my God, always carry a little notepad. Or I want to jot down if in the silence there, there's a fresh bit, a fresh phrase, passage. And I hear God in it. I want to keep it. Good possibility that from that is what I bring to you. Not all, but some of what I get in listening. Not talking to God, in listening. I don't know what you need. I'm not the great physician of the church. I'm not the physician of your soul. I don't know where you are. But he who knows all things knows exactly what you need. And I hope that you can hear not only today, first of all, I hope the Lord will Kind of put me out of the way and out of sight and out of hearing. And that the Lord might, from His Word, from the message, give something to your soul. It's not enough that you came. It's not enough you're sitting here. It's not enough that you made an effort to get here. That's very important, all those. But now that you're here, there's something that takes the precedence over everything. You hearing God. We've got a lot of commotion in the professing church today. We've got a lot of activity. We got a lot of fleshly excitement.
the important thing is, do we have God here? Then the important thing to you is, is God here for me? And you can bend your knee with thanksgiving for a thought that comes from the very heart of God. And you can say with David, that's precious, Lord. That's prized above anything I've got or anything I can do. That's very precious to me. Well, would you would you bow with me as we seek the face of the invisible God but was manifest in a visible man. Our Father, our hearts are very grateful to Thee. There's not a one of us here this day that started out life thinking about Thee. We had greater plans, greater ambitions. than being stuck in some building for an hour, two hours, listening to some man. But you were rested, you awakened. You set before us the serpent, brazen serpent, hanging on the pole. And when you quickened us, you made us aware that we've been bitten. And the poisonous venom from the old serpent was flowing throughout all our veins and arteries and killing us. And then we saw Christ Jesus. And if one of your children we found out He's hanging there for me. And that became very personal. We weren't concerned about how many he died for, 
how to you. But only one thing. He died for me. And then the peace of God flooded our souls. For you had brought us from a dungeon, from, a, from death, and in that death a dying condition. And you've given us hope, you've given us life, you've given us sight where we could see, you've given us ears where we could hear. So we are of all people most blessed. And now, my Father, I ask of Thee for the Spirit of God in speaking and these participants in hearing. Help them. And call our minds to full attention to the great God of the universe and to Christ our Lord. And that there be reverence within gathering in thy presence and as much attention as a young soldier in training would give to that officer over him when he called them to attention. Help us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now folks, one of the things that I left with you is that you've got to get above your own thinking. And the mental concepts that you will form in your mind about God. You got to get above a fixed opinion that might have been placed in your mind by someone that meant well when they told you about the Lord. You got to get above all that and the mind has got to go into that neutral drive Either is waiting on God to reveal Himself in a greater degree to you. 
I don't know if when you come to Scripture, if you come with a fixed opinion. This is what it says. This is what I believe. And anybody that disagrees and tries to prove from Scripture that I am in error, well, that person's just misapplying the Word of God. They know how they feel, and their feelings takes the place of God. This is what I think, and their thinking takes the place of God. This is what folk taught me, and that takes the place of God. You might have been taught correctly. I'm not saying that you weren't. But you even get to get above that to find personally this is what God thinks. Not mama, daddy, grandmother, grandfather, not the preacher, not the church creed, not my own reasoning from scripture. You got to get above that to find out. This is what God thinks. Now you're saying, you're sitting there saying, well, does not the Bible tell us what God thinks? It does in many places. But that does not mean that you will interpret it correctly. That could mean that you misapply it. Do not understand it as, as God intended it be. So I'm saying you've got to get above self to get to just that simple little phrase. These are God's thoughts. Now I told you first Kings 22. Ahab is going out to war. And once again, he's talked talked Jehoshaphat into going with him. I I think the king, Jehoshaphat, I think he was a good man. But I think... He was too desirous to please others. They asked that of me, therefore that's what I will do. I don't think he was wise. He did a lot of good things and he was a good man. But I do not think that he excelled in wisdom. I'll give you an example. In battle, Ahab knew that they were after him. So he said to Jehoshaphat, why don't you put on my robe? And he agreed. 
which could have been to his own peril if not for the sovereign act of God. Anyway, you got you got Ahab, you got Jehoshaphat. Verse number six. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men. That was not long before this meeting here that Elijah had slain 850 false prophets. So you see how quickly that false preachers can be gotten. They're just not hard to find. And the king of Israel said to him, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? They said, Go up. They're going to agree. Then dare not say that which the king wants to hear. And these little, whatever they are, they're not men that are dependent upon the church for their salary. And they want a big salary. And they are dependent upon hearers for their applause. And they never want to offend anybody. And these little mealy-mouthed fellows climb up into the pulpit and they say what the crowd wants to hear. Got to keep them. Got to keep them happy. So these 400 prophets said, sure, go up. For the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord beside? He just, there's something about what they said that didn't register in the heart of this man. Is there not somebody here? One in a thousand. That can tell us that we can inquire of him. Verse 8, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imlam, but whom, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Why, Ahab? For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Don't know what God thinks about me. Every time I hear him, the only thing that's come out of his mouth is been evil towards me. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Now look, for in this, one of the false prophets that wants to ascend and take a height above all the others, verse 11, Zedekiah. He's going to really be impressive. 
He's going to put on a show. He's going to display here how God is going to do. Didn't have a word from God. Didn't know what God was going to do. But since 400 of them said, go up, God's going to give you victory. Zedekiah thought he'd be really impressive before Ahab. Verse 11, and Zedekiah the son of Kenaim made him horns of iron. And he said, thus saith the Lord. With thee shalt thou push the Syrians until thou hast consumed them. Like old Dr. Kanoi said, and I agree with him more today than, than when he said it 30 years ago, that he did not understand how preachers in his generation did not have ulcers and nervous conditions trying to always come up with something commendable to their parishioners. How that they can skip over the negatives and tell folk how good they are. And they've already, they've already determined this is what God thinks about you folks. Most people's God doesn't have the ability to communicate His own heart to them. Another, Psalm 115. I'll get there in a minute, just... Psalm 115, verse number 4, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Of course, if you're going to make a God, you've got to make Him like man. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. They just made a God like they were. The only problem with their God was, though he had a mouth, he couldn't talk. Though he had ears, he couldn't hear. But they got to make him like, like they are. And the God today, the God made in America, doesn't have the ability to communicate that that he thinks. And he doesn't have the ability to communicate his heart. But that God's got a mouth, and that God's got ears. 
Uh, you'd be just as well off going out kneeling, praying to a pine tree as praying to this kind of God that men make. But if he doesn't speak, he's always going to have pleasant things to say to you. Oh, you'll be, you'll be a nice young lady or you'll be a gentleman because your God though he can't talk your mind has made him and therefore your mind tells you what your God wants you to know and you never get above it another Jeremiah 29 and we'll we'll begin today from here Jeremiah 29 Beginning with verse number 8 Jeremiah 29 8 For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel Let not your prophets And your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. Do you remember, and I won't ask you to go back with me, but it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 28, when the host of the Philistines had gathered against Saul, And he called on the Lord, and he prayed, and he begged God, tell me. But the Lord did not answer him by dreams, by by the Urim, nor by prophets. God was silent to him. And so Saul said to his servants, does anybody here know? One that can divine, a diviner, one that can see. One said, yeah, I know a woman down there in Endor. So Saul disguised himself and went down there trying to find from her what God had to say to him. You are dead are in a dying condition when God doesn't talk to you. God said, don't listen to them. They're telling you you're not going to be here very long. God said, you might as well go ahead and marry Plant your crops. You're down here for 70 years. Because of your rebellion and disobedience. But out of 70 years, out of 70 years, I'm going to bring you out of this place. Now look at verse number 11. For I know the thoughts... 
that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And you can, and you might rightly be able to pull this verse up and say, God's thoughts towards me are peace. And his thoughts may be of peace towards you, though you are not always aware of that. Through much tribulation, you shall enter into the kingdom of God. You don't have peace during tribulation until God quietens your heart down there in the midst of the war or the battle that you're in and God grants peace. If your testimony is effective, then the world's going to hate you. But see, it's not effective and nobody hates you. No one. No one's out to persecute you. Not according to what you believe about God. They might persecute you because they don't like your personality or they don't like some of your habits or they don't like this or that about you. But if God ever awakens and gives back to the church an effective testimony, then the world will hate us. And though the thought of God was peace towards the great Apostle Paul, that was not always true in his own heart, in his own thinking. God said to him, fear not, fear not Paul. You don't have to worry about all these threats. I got much people here. And those disciples, the thought of God towards those eleven was always peace. But they didn't have peace in that ship out there in a, in a, in a storm until the Lord arrived and said, Peace, be still. So the child of God oftentimes will go through long periods of searching, inner turmoil, unrest, before they ever hear in heart, peace be unto thee. Disciples rowing, trying to get to the other shore, and they weren't thinking about, well, God's thoughts towards us are peace, so might as well put the oars down. We're going to get there safely. No, they feared for their lives. And there was no peace there. Though their intended end, according to Almighty God, was peace. Several years ago, a, a person approached me and they pointed out this verse to me and they were using it to prop up a lifestyle that was unbecoming a child of God. Didn't come anywhere close to being that of a child of God. 
And yet they pulled out verse number 11 and said, this is what God thinks about me. I said, that's true. Only if you have a heart to read what follows it. Especially down through verse number 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. This one never did. Never did. Person lived entirely upon verse number 11. God's thought towards me is peace. Didn't matter what I said that evening when they came. Didn't matter. God told them. But it wasn't God. It was a member of the church that said to this person, God's thought towards you is peace. And that was a false prophet saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And they lived upon it. I fear that when this one went out into eternity, that they faced a God that had a different thought of them than what this one had of self. had a lady only time she'd ever agree with me was when I spoke on something that she liked therefore she stayed furious at times with me if I got near her pet sins in preaching one time she said I don't like the God of the Old Testament I like the God of the New. Well, I don't know when the God of the Old Testament died and we got a God of the New Testament only. She didn't like that God. And if she'd have searched out the New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, she wouldn't have liked the God of the New Testament. But she just grabbed hold of a few verses. Guess who was called? As she neared death, her husband called me. And I got down there late one Sunday afternoon, and he said, My wife, for the last two hours, has been asking me, Is he here yet? Is he here yet? I couldn't tell her anything. Because she wouldn't hear anything except that which she would agree with. As she went out into eternity, having grabbed a few verses from the New Testament and said, This is what God thinks about me. Now, I ask you, every one of you here, what are God's thoughts towards you 
Don't presume. Don't pick out a favorite verse that you like. Don't self-assure your own heart. Don't read a verse, then close your Bible, thinking because that verse had something good to say about you, and then you shut your Bible and you think that you have sufficient ground for hope. All the while, you didn't open your Bible from the time you closed it. I read that verse until you picked it up to go to church. I didn't read any other verses, though there were a hundred others that would condemn. How can one be guilty of deliberately sinning against God and think that they can find forgiveness anytime they want to? How can you, a child of God, not be striving after holiness? Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Folk, this book, as great as the thoughts of God are towards Towards his children, it is a warning to the disobedient. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil way. Why will ye die? I told you before. I hope you're not around. I hope I'm not around when you step out into eternity. What if I was? And you lay on that bed without peace in your heart. Do you think God's going to be merciful on your dying bed? Do you? If you haven't daily had a desire to seek Him, book's a warning to the disobedient. It's a warning to the ungodly. And the only thought of God towards an unrepentant sinner that goes out into eternity, take that wicked servant and cast him into hell. Don't be one of these that assumes because you can read a verse and it applies to you and it's very favorable to you. Don't assume. You've got to have God say it to your heart. God is angry with the wicked every day. Those Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they were wicked folks, but they never did anything outwardly wrong. But they were wicked. God's angry. Jesus Christ told that crowd, search the scriptures for in them. You read the very scriptures that testify of me, and you think in them you've got life. If you'd read enough, you'd find out that's what's condemning you. So, but the book and their favorable application to self became an end in itself.
had heard much. We here for the last month have heard much from these fellows that have, have brought devotions. And I've tried to set it before you best I could. But you've heard much about the eternal love of God. Well, it's got to be eternal because nothing new can originate in God. Christ didn't begin loving Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. He'd always loved him. But Saul never found out that Christ loved him until on his knees in repentance. He said, Lord, what would you have me do? There was, there was that day, children, you gotta, or child of God or not a child of God, you've got to get to this place where there is a personal manifestation of the living God to your soul. And there's this awesome presence that you've been brought into. Can you hear God? There are a hundred, there are a hundred different sound waves passing through this building right now as I speak. But we don't have an instrument here that will pick them up and translate them into audible sound. All the music that's passing through on these waves. Got into an argument. Maybe a month ago, the middle song, he, he likes to argue at night. He said, if a tree fell in the, in, in the forest, would it make a sound? I said, no. I could not convince him that sounds made in your ears by waves. So he got on his little phone and he had texted I don't know how many people. He finally found one that said, yes, it makes a noise. So he, he was all right. He was self-assured. Uh, and I kept saying, it does not. Now you're thinking about the animals and you think, well, sure. If the animals got a hearing mechanism. And there's a voice of God in the book. In his church. But I don't know that you're hearing it. And your eternal destiny depends upon you hearing the word of God. Now lest I run too far over Deuteronomy... 28. I got little boys probably headed to the beach and they're anxious for me to get through so they can get everything ready. I heard them, they don't pay attention. 
you won't be able to go. God's thoughts. And Jeremiah 29 11, my thoughts of your peace. Not everybody that heard that found out God's thoughts towards them was peace because they died in Babylon. And not every, well, let me read the verse, verse 63. Deuteronomy 28, 63. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord has rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you. Now that God is not heard today. God rejoicing in the destruction of individuals. Well, I've got to take him in his word. Rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land where thou goest to possess it. Now God told Israel, when they, that night they marched out of Egypt, I'll bring you into the land that floweth with milk and honey. There's trees there that bearing fruit, grapevines. You didn't have to plant. It's watered. It's watered. Not like Egypt's watered by the river, river uh, by the Nile River. It's watered with springs from the mountains. And heaven's rain. I'll bring you into it. Only two men out of maybe a half a million that heard that walked into Canaan, Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them just kept living it. God said, God said we'd do this, therefore we shall go in. No, God said, I'm not going to put up with your rebellion. And I'm not going to put up with your disobedience. And you're not going in. So oftentimes these promises of God have a fixed condition on them. Now if I've got a sincere interest in life after death, my duty is to find out what are God's thoughts? What's God thinking about me right now? Do you think that it is possible for a love as great as is in the heart of God for His children for that to remain silent? to the recipients of such love. It's impossible. God must express Himself. And I don't want some preacher telling me God loves me. I don't want some, some friend telling me God loves me. I want God to 
instead of me. This is my thought towards you. Love, peace, satisfaction. And the very thought of God, thoughts of God to your heart will overcome all rebellion and disobedience and conquer every rebel's heart that God loves. And again, the, the apostle, being fully persuaded that, that what he hath promised, he was able to perform. I loved you from the foundation of the world, the same apostle said. And he told the Romans, God's able to perform. I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come shall separate us from the love of God. But that's how real the love of God was in his soul. One last, and I'll close quickly. Matthew 15. You know the story here. A woman of Canaan, verse number 22, that came to Jesus begging for mercy. But verse 23, he didn't say anything to her. Next obstacle is the disciples come and besought him, saying, Lord, send her away, for she cried after us. She's bothering us. And then he did in answering her, verse 24, and he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered, it's not right and it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. He said, Lord, you told the truth. But there was such a need within her heart. She bowed down and said, Truth, Lord. But I would remind you that dogs, I am a Gentile, I am outside the camp of Israel, but dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Guess what, fool? She would not let him go, for she was an object of his love, and he would not let her go. She didn't know why she kept hanging around, other than the need of her heart. Reminds me of... George Matheson's old song, O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. You got a heart after him. Most today rest on a phrase in a book that means nothing, has no claims on their heart. I told you this before years ago, but and I don't know which of the which of the younger two it was, but just just a toddler. 
And he had crawled upon the, the third step to get into the kitchen. And he was up against the door and he couldn't get in. And he was out there banging on the door wanting to get in. And I had to push the door open enough to get my hand on the outside to reach him. Now I didn't ask him, you take hold of my hand, because I knew he's not strong enough to hold on to what I got to do. And I grabbed, I grabbed his wrist and I pushed the door open, which put him down on the second step. And then down on the bottom step so I could get it open enough for him to come in. He started crying when I pushed him back. He didn't know I was pushing him back to help him. So if you come to God and you feel like He's not listening, He's pushing me back, He's not hearing. If you give up, if you give up, you'll never hear from Him. But if you'll take it, if you'll just take all that, Keep going. You'll find out he's got a father's heart. And he cannot let go of those that he loves. Folk, don't linger on the outside. Cain, get on over into... I'm sorry, don't... Yeah, outside Cain, get on over into the bountiful land. There's a big God there that will share with you what He thinks about you. And I sure want to know what God thinks about me now before I have to find out then.